Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Right now. Yeah. Welcome to the movement, baby. We're going to change education. Check out shungleblake.com. I say it again, shungleblake.com. Teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True school is here. Now let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous to the people across this nation. Eagerly anticipating a sound from the streets that's so unique it'll transform education. This is school, the killing field, where they kill a lover learner and then our children for real. That's the deal. Now we gotta change things around, close gaps down. This is a new sound, true school. This is this radio show, shovelbig.com, flow, case you wait, no. And now we gonna change things. One school at a time, one rhyme at a time. Yeah, we gonna shine. Time to shine media, yes. Yeah, we've been blessed, putting suckers to the test. So, teaching reading, so uniquely. That's right. Gotta make you think deeply. Uh, teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True school is here. Now let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous to the people across this nation. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another segment of True School Radio. This is your host, Shungo Blake, a.k.a. the Rapping Principal, a.k.a. Mr. B, but of course, I like to be referred to as Brother Shungo. Uh, in our last week's show, uh, we've been doing a series, uh, a, a series on school safety, and, and school safety has so many different dimensions. Um, there's so many different things that one has to think about when cre- creating a safe and orderly school environment. Uh, before we get into last week's show and what we talked about and then, talk, and then what we're going to talk about in this week's show, uh, I want to remind you to call us at 213-943-3618. Press the pound and the number one key on your keypad if you have a question or comment. Now, I'm very, very excited about this week's show uh, because it, it, it bears uh, a witness to what we are seeing happening today every day in the news as relates to disaster preparedness in our schools. Um, if you've been watching the news, you you see every day uh, the, the 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 horror of what took place in terms of the disaster of Hurricane Sandy and and what it means to our communities. Now, I've been paying very close attention. If you remember last week, we spoke to a gentleman by the name of Jacques Leandre and he was doing a lot of work out in the Rockaways to help uh, with the sort of relief efforts around Hurricane Sandy out there. And um, I've been watching every week in terms of what's been happening out there in the Rockaways. When you look now, um, they're talking about Red Hook, Brooklyn, and a lot of these areas are urban. They are serve predominantly African-American and Latino communities. And uh, the relief has been slow. And when you think about when the hurricane was first hitting and when they were talking about what was needed and then the aftermath of the hurricane, you really didn't hear a lot of focus on 
these uh, these areas that 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 are predominantly black and Latino and 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 poor. Now, out in the Rockaways, they have eight, I think, uh, public housing uh, developments out there that are really suffering, 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 suffering. There's no heat. People are um, uh, freezing. Uh, they're running out of food. They're running out of uh, of, 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 of items. So we want to encourage you to find out ways in which you can support the effort in terms of what's going on out there in Far Rockaway to bring relief to um, the community. And before the show is over, I'm definitely going to give some information uh, that you can uh, tune into to find out what people are doing uh, to try to support our brothers and sisters out there. Okay, so this week, uh, in keeping with that that, that um, theme of safety, uh, we've decided to talk about uh, disaster preparedness. And the question is, how prepared are our schools uh, in case of an emergency? Now, in my research in doing this, we um, I, I was able to look up, and I spoke about this before, uh, the SAVE legislation. And the SAVE legislation is a federal legislation that every state has to adopt that deals with school safety, uh, an emergency plan. It deals with... Uh, how plans are written and developed, and how that should be communicated to parents and the community at large. Now, the SAVE legislation has a, has some general considerations and planning guidelines. Um, the and here's some of the I'd like to read some of these guidelines to you so that you can kind of get a sense of what every school should be doing to prepare for a disaster, an act of terror, or to just make sure that the school is safe. I mean, we've had school shootings. So what is the emergency response of the school in the case of uh, any one of these things? It just so happens that we're dealing with disaster preparedness today. And some of the guidelines are as follows. Uh, you should, the school should have uh, established required district-wide school safety teams. Um, when looking at how prepared a school is, one should require all members to uh, present, including representatives of school boards and students, teachers, administrators, parent organizations, school safety personnel, and other school personnel. You should consider has the district given consideration to other members of the community who may be helpful as members of the district-wide school safety team. Another consideration, has the district considered the relationship between district-wide school safety teams and building-level school safety teams, how will these groups interact? And that's a very important one because there's a district-wide plan and there's a school plan, and how do those things coincide in the case of an emergency or, or, or centered around a school? Um, in the event of an emergency or violent incident, does a district-wide plan reflect how the district will interact with individual school emergency response teams? Has the district considered potential training for the members of the district-wide school safety team? Have, a, have arrangements been made for regularly scheduled meetings and opportunities for communication? And has the district made provisions for the team uh, to review district-wide school safety plans by the district school-wide safety team? These are very, 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 very good points to consider. And as parents and as community, you should want to know is the schools in your districts, do they have a well-developed 
organized plan and team members that are constantly reviewing and evaluating the effectiveness of this plan in the case of a disaster or in the case of an emergency. Um, lastly, has the district made provisions for scheduling a public hearing at least 30 days prior, prior um, to its adoption by the Board of Education? And has the district made provisions for submission of a full copy of the plan and any subsequent amendments to the New York State Department of Education? Now, why did I take time to, to speak about these things? Brothers and sisters, it's all about accountability and information. And if you don't have access to the information, then you don't know who to hold accountable when crisis, emergencies, or disasters come up. We can't assume that our schools are doing what they're supposed to do. We have to ask questions. We have to get involved. But we can't get involved from an emotional state. We have to get involved from an informed state. And then once you have the information, then you know who to speak to and who to hold accountable. But it's not just the schools that 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 all the weight and the responsibility falls on the schools, the school administrators, to come up with safety plans and come up with disaster preparedness, preparedness plans. What about us as parents? Do we have a personal plan? Do we communicate within our own families and communities about what's important and, and what we should do in the case of a disaster? That brings us to our guest. Our guest today is Brother Barry Crumley. This man has extensive, extensive background in disaster preparedness. He's worked as a liaison with the Red Cross. He's volunteered as a peacekeeper and in, 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 in working to stem violence within his community. And we're so happy to have him here today so that he can give us insight about his work with disaster preparedness and what we should be doing as a community to secure ourselves. So, Brother Barry Crumley, are you, are you with us, brother? Yes, sir. I'm here, brother. Good evening. Uh, excuse me for that very long introduction, but I just wanted to lay a foundation for for this very important discussion. We're happy to have you here today, and we want to jump right into it. The first thing I'd like you to do is just to give uh, our listening audience a little bit of background about yourself, your work, and how long you've been involved in disaster preparedness. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to do this in, the, in a short time. <laughs> um, first of all, I've been doing it uh, approximately 25 years, uh, I'll say, uh, in terms of preparedness. Uh, it all started uh, many years ago, um, hanging out in, in, uh, up in the Adirondack Mountains, Catskills, learning how to uh, fish and hunt and camp uh, during the winter uh, season here in New York. Um, one thing turned into another, and then as I got older, got involved um, with the American Red Cross back in 1993, and now I am currently assigned uh, as a government liaison um, within the Disaster Planning and Response Department of the American Red Cross um, here in New York. Mm. Um and then, you know, along the way you meet people, uh, you spend time with them, you learn from them. Uh, one of my close friends uh, that's been in the business a little longer than I have on a, on a different level is the brother Aton Edwards, which you may have heard of him. Uh, he's another yes, brother yes. that's that's been doing great work. Uh, he is a scientist, um, 
you know, he's done many programs for uh, National Geographic, the Discovery Channel, on um, on topics as like Big Brother, you know, preparedness and and the like. Um, so you know, just being around folks um, that are, that are in the business, you know, I've had the opportunity of spending time and being under the wing and at the feet of uh, Mr. James Rocky Robinson, who was the founder of the Beverly Stuyvesant Volunteer Ambulance Corps. Yeah, um, very very powerful brother. Yes, you know, and as we know, you know, Best Eye Volleys, that was the first uh, black-owned and operated EMT training facility in the United States. Um, so, you know, that's that's where my experience comes from. Wow. You know, I want to ask you a question. Um, what is your, before we get into some of the things that parents can do and, 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 and details about disaster preparedness, what is your assessment? of what you see happening around Hurricane Sandy. Now we have the the Northeaster that, that, that took place. And specifically, how do you view what's happening with communities of color? And I guess we can use Fall Rockaway, Red Hook, Brooklyn, um, as, some, as, as an example. Um, my assessment is that we as a people uh, are not uh, taking this things seriously as did our elders, our ancestors, and I'm not talking about going all the way back to Egypt either. I'm talking about Big Mama and them, mm-hmm. as they say. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, you know, we only have to go back a few generations where, you know, they were prepared, you know, because they grew their own food. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and they and they had those things in place. Um, but, you know, bringing it to present day, since we want to talk about Sandy, um, you know, there's there's this complacency. Uh, things are just too easy for us, and uh, we have a short memory, I guess. I don't know, brother. Um, I just know that, you know, to answer your question, um, in two words, my assessment is we are not ready. Now, you said something in reference to, uh, you know, that, that really struck a chord with me, growing your own food. Um, and, and the reason that struck a chord with me is because I think a lot of times when we think of uh, – Disasters. We don't really think of preparedness, and in the word "prepare" is really the word "prevention." You're preventing something, or you're taking a proactive attitude towards looking at, you know, in the in the, in the light. But what I'm trying to say is, if something might happen, you're prepared to deal with that situation to the best of your ability. It seems like we're in. We always deal with it when the crisis hits. So, what can parents do? to prepare for an emergency in a preventive way in the sense of really saying, hey, let me start doing some things now because I understand that, you know, uh, uh, climate change and global warming and all these other things are real, and and we'll we'll probably see much more Hurricane Sandys as as the days progress. Well, you know, in terms of of the the parents and, and as we're talking about schools and school safety, um, it's all encompassing. The, the, the parents uh, do need to uh, find out from the school administration, um, uh, you know, those plans. Ask to see those plans because it is a, it is a state mandate um, that the districts um, do have. Uh, I guess emergency eva- evacuation plans. You know, they do the fire drill thing and, and all like that. Uh, they also need to understand that many of the schools. Uh, particularly those that who have like parking areas and um, 
feeding facilities and you know large cafeterias, large kitchens, you know whether it be a high school, an elementary school, or a college here in New York, those facilities are used um, and they have been pre-assigned um, pre-disaster. So a parent may very well need to know um, if, in fact, their school is uh, one of those assigned uh, places. Um, we had that experience, you know, just this past week, where when the, the children in the New York school, New York City school district, uh, were going back to school, many of them had to be relocated temporarily for a day or two because the school that they would normally go to was an evacuation shelter or or yeah. heating center or something like that. Um, so they they do need to find out uh, exactly what's what's happening. And you know, just in terms of um, uh, as you put it, uh, it, I just want to reiterate what you said. Like, like, who do we hold accountable, and who do we hold responsible for this these things? Yes, you you can deal with the you know the from a governmental perspective, but the the, the true answer is you are. Mm, because no one's gonna uh, be more concerned about your safety and the safety of your family than you. That's and, right. And yeah. It's, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you, we must do for self, brother. And you know, once you do for yourself, then you can do for your wife. Then you can do for your children. Then you know, like that. But if you ain't right, um, you can't get anybody else right. Absolutely, and it's so interesting because what you said was going to lead. It's a perfect lead into the next question I have. Um, you spoke about schools being designated as the uh, evacuation sites, and I was uh, looking at the news. I think today, actually. Uh, on CNN, they were dealing with a school uh, a school district in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, which was decimated by uh, Hurricane Sandy. And they were talking about the schools are still closed in New Jersey. And the reason why they are closed is because these schools are being used as shelters. So how can parents find out if their school is designated as a shelter or an evacuation center? Well, that stuff is actually documented. And I'll speak for for New York City. Um, the New York City Office of Emergency Management they put out information. Um, it's actually called Ready New York. Um, you can go to the, the website. What is it? NYC.gov, and uh, you know, I guess like slash OEM or something like that. Office of Emergency Management is easy to find this information. Um, they have all kinds of printed materials in I don't know at least you know, 10, 15 different languages because of the uh, population of New York City. Um, so they, they can get this information. They actually have one specifically for uh, to identify those schools uh, that are designated as um, evacuation centers. And then you have to also be mindful that, um, you know, many of those schools may very well be affected where it, it won't be an evacuation center, you know, because it might be underwater or it might have gotten blown up or, you know, whatever it may be or affected by okay. uh, other circumstances where there's no power actually going to that building. So once again, it becomes, all right, I'm going to find out what's going on, but then again, I need to m make sure that I'm able to make things happen regardless of, mm. you know, what, what local government has put in place for me. Yes. Yes. Brother and, 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 yes. I'm saying it's Brother James. You know, I have to chime in because this is what I do for a living equally. I 
am a director of security, and I'm responsible for the training of the administrators, the teachers, and all faculty members, and to include the student body, in um, preparing for disasters in terms of doing the drills, the lockdowns, the, you know, the lock-ins, you know, the, um, um, the fire drills and so forth. But I will tell you this, that um, the responsibility, as Brother Batty was saying, is, is on all of us to include the parents. And there are times where I take the time to walk parents through what it is that we do in the schools to keep their children safe. And it's the best practice to do because allowing them to read and giving them the opportunity to read the plan, they really don't know what they're looking at. And it's the same mm -hmm. with the teachers. You know, um, I will tell you in terms of I work in the counties, in, in Suffolk County in the school district, and we utilize um, the Red Cross to provide the training for shelter management. Uh, about okay. three years ago, we um, got about 18 people from the community and some faculty members to get trained as shelter managers. Not all of them live in the school district, but this is so that they can understand the responsibility of shepherding and nurturing people who have been devastated by disaster. So I just wanted to add that in because this is definitely up my line, and I don't want to take over the conversation, but just to say <laughs> no, we, it's all of our responsibility. We definitely appreciate your insight, and for our, for our listeners, that's uh, Brother James. He's one of our producers here uh, 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 with uh, Blog Talk Radio, the Keys 107, and assists us with this True School Radio program. But one of the things that Brother James said that's important because, actually, I was going to ask this question, and if Brother James, you can also chime in, too, but I'm going to start mm -hmm. with Brother Barry um, because I wanted to talk specifically about the emergency plan that a school puts together. Now, my experience as an administrator and as a principal is that a lot of there are a lot schools have a lot of plans. You know, you have the uh, school comprehensive education plan, you have the safety plan, you have the emergency plan, you have all these plans. And a lot of times, I find that these plans are written by one person, and they're written to satisfy some kind of state requirement that if someone comes in and says, show us your plan, that you have it there and you can show it. But when you're really talking about making it a living, breathing document that's transparent, that includes a collective group of people looking at it from different lenses, um, a lot of times, more times than not, it really isn't done that way. And, and we can see examples in, um, with, 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 with Columbine um, and even – looking at some of the things that happened uh, during Hurricane Sandy in terms of when the schools reopened, there was really no plan to figure out how you were going to get the students to school. There was still transportation issues. So if you don't bring a whole bunch of people together that all have a role um, in terms of writing the plan, then ultimately it's going to impact the school, not just the safety issues, but the quality of education. So. I wanted to kind of talk or, or get some insight from you, Brother Barry, in terms of the details of the plan. How can we make it transparent? How can we – as I'm a school administrator, what is my role? How do I bring the entire school community around something like this, which is so important? And, 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 I, and, and, and it kind of speaks to what Brother James was saying, not something that where they read and they don't understand, but they actually practice and then practice implementing. Should there be drills? Well, I, I I would say that the as they say the answer is in the question um, is is two sided. Yes, uh, the administrators 
I would think need to have that that uh, will to present uh, uh, to the uh, parents, if you will, or to the okay. to the school community as, as to you know what he or she plans on doing relative to this uh, disaster plan or this evacuation plan, this safety plan. And then also the, the the parents need to be pushing from the other side as well, and 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 folks come together uh, in the middle, if you will. Um, yes. There needs to be a, a concerted effort on on all ends and by all parties. Um, you know how much how much are we interested in this? How, how much are we interested in our child's safety? Um, you know, once they walk out the door at home, you know they're gone. And um, so so what happens? You know when you're at work, regardless of you know what the the logistics that it would take for you to get to your child's school in an emergency. You know, if I'm at work in, in Brooklyn and my child goes to school, you know, in a, in another borough or something like that, and you know, then we have the whole age thing too. You know, it's one thing to have a teenager who can probably you know navigate their way back, but then what happens to the elementary school child or that middle school child? You know, when there's a 9-11 and all of a sudden you're hearing stuff on the news, you know, like two planes just crashed into the World Trade Center and, and the, the whole city gets shut down, you know. Yeah. And now and now it's a situation where, you know, you got the whole fast. You know, everybody stay put right here, you know. And then, you know, there, there's so many, so many dynamics that goes on, and those are the things that need to be thought of by the administration and, like you said, Sitting down in in an auditorial in a room uh, over a period of time, and people coming up with these ideas, saying like, you know, all of the what ifs, you know, exactly. Because exactly. many times, you, you know, historically, you know, the what ifs, nine times out of ten, or more often than not, turns into I told you so's. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and, and I just, it, it's just so. I mean, brother, listen. That was one of I tell you when I first became principal of the school out in Queens. The, one of the first things I did was take some of these plans that, that were in, they were literally in a closet somewhere, like just collecting dust, and asked the faculty, asked the parents, I asked even the students and other members of the community, do you know about this plan? Do you know what it means? Do you understand what our role is in this situation? And people were looking at me like uh, this in headlights, and so we had to actually come up with teams we had to bring in people like Brother James, like yourself, to come in and say, hey, help us understand and figure this out in a way that makes sense in the way in which we deal, you know, in a, in a, in a way it, it make it work with our daily operation, you know. Yes. And I think Absolutely. that's the difference between, you know, a district plan and a school safety plan is that it has to encompass the culture of what happens daily in a school. And, and um, if it's just a plan sitting there like a manual, then it's new. It's really not real and it's not relevant. Um, but one of the things uh, we're gonna gonna go to our first commercial break. But before we do, I I have a, a lot more questions for you, brother Barry. So I yes, uh, hope you I hope you're ready to hang out with me tonight. <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, uh, before we go to break, how can people reach you? Let's say there's a some parents out there, we have school administrators who listen to this. And how can they reach you to say, hey, can you come in and work with our faculty, staff, or our parents around this disaster preparedness issue? Is there a way they can contact you? Yes, I'm going to give you two email uh, 
addresses. Okay. My, my my personal email address is actually my name, Barry Crumbly at AOL dot com. That's B A R R Y C R U M B L E Y at AOL dot com. There's no space. One more time. Between. One more time, yes. one more time. B A R R Y C R U M B L E Y at AOL dot com. And I was saying there's no space between the first and last name, straight through. Okay. And then you can also reach me at uh intact at ready for anything dot org. That's I N T A C T at ready for anything dot org. Now that web that, that website that website ready for anything dot org, um that is the website the official website for the International Preparedness Network, uh which is founded and headed up by Brother Aton Edwards. Okay. And Intact is actually uh my company uh that's affiliated with IPN and Intact is an acronym if I may Individuals networking through active community teamwork. Mm. Say that one more time. Individuals networking through active community teamwork. Intact. Brothers and sisters uh, out there, please, you know, get in touch with this brother because we really need this in our communities. I mean, we are. Uh, it, it's obvious. Okay, you know, we can sit around, and, and I think there was something that was. But you had said earlier, Brother Barry, yes, there is a responsibility and accountability to government agencies, and we're going to talk about that after the break. But also, we can't sit around and wait for others to do what we must do for ourselves. We have to stop this apathetic attitude that that uh, that says, well, no one came to save me. Save yourselves. Okay? Yes. We, we, if, we, I, if I may interject. Go ahead. I know you're coming up on commercial, but I just wanted to yes, say that um, part of the presentations that myself and Brother Aton does and, and Brother Rudolph from Bed-Stuy, uh, we actually came up with a, a course or a class, and we titled it The Psychology of the Responder Relative to the Psychology of the Citizen. And mm. in that in that class, we explain no, no, wait, 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 hold on. Hold that thought because I want us to lead in from the commercial break with the two different mentalities. I think that's very important. So if you can hold that, when we come yes. back from this commercial break, I want you to start with that particular topic. Yes, We're going go to prom- go to commercial break. This is Brother Shuggo. See you in a few.
Keys 107 in media partnership with Harlem's newest gem, the Miss Theater, are proud to present winner of seven national and international film awards, Elsa, a film telling the universal story of a family in turmoil. A young woman's dream becomes an obsession in search for self, offering an insider's view of the lush island culture of Guadalupe. Elsa is the first feature by a female director from this Caribbean island. Elza opens shortly at the Mist Harlem, the newest venue for high-quality entertainment located at 46 West 116th Street. For ticket information on the World Wide Web, go to MistHarlem.com. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad's speech in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read Final Solving issues 
okay, solving issues that are happening in our urban schools. And if you want more information about what we do and specifically what I do, please go to www.shungoblake.com or like us on Facebook slash shungoblake.com or you can tweet me at twitter.com slash shungoblake. Again, www.shungoblake.com, like us on Facebook slash shungoblake.com or follow me on Twitter slash shungoblake. Now, Brother Barry, you here? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. We you were you were getting ready to take us into and I, and 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 this is deep because you were getting ready to go into the psychology of disaster preparedness and how one should see themselves in that scenario. So I, I kind of stopped you short because I wanted to start the next uh, segment with you uh, really taking us deep in terms of understanding that perspective because I think that can help us save some lives. So could you? Uh, continue with that uh, analogy? Yes, sir. Um, what I was talking about was that, you know, there is a a, a, a mindset um, that 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 needs to be put in perspective, um, particularly for the for the citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychology of the responders on all levels, you know, from you know the the the, the emergency medical technician all the way up to the folks that are, you know, running the show, uh, whether it be Homeland Security, FEMA, whomever it is, you know, we're looking at the situation from from one angle, one perspective, if you will, and the the citizens are trying to understand what's going on. Uh, you know, just real something real typical. Um, let me see. Let's take the gas lines real quick. Okay. Since, you know, this is what's happening. You know, most people will say, you know, uh, there's a gas shortage. Uh, you know, why is this gas station not open? Um, you know, why the line's so long, this, that, and the other. And, you know, yeah. they're saying this last week right in the midst of everything that's happening. Um, but, you know, just to fast forward, if you will, for lack of a better term, you know, it's because not so much that that particular gas station ran out of fuel per se, or that that particular gas station does not have um, uh, electricity to pump, to, you know, for the pumps to actually work to, to, you know, push the fuel out of the, the tanks for you. But, you know, it's because Hurricane Sandy was doing her thing and it mm-hmm. affected the barges that needed to come down the Hudson. You know, it tore up the, 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 the buoys, and so those tankers couldn't come in here First of all, they needed to stay out to sea so they could ride the storm out. And then when it was, you know, time to come in, you know, Coast Guard and everybody else that deal with the whole Marine situation, they have to, like, fix stuff first. You know, it's like, you know, just traffic lights. You know, they, they can't just come down the Hudson, you know. So, you know, those are the things. And, see, New York City only has approximately about seven days' supply of fuel. So mm-hmm. that's why those tankers come down regularly. But because of the, the storm, they couldn't. So that means if they if they if, the, if they're not offloading that fuel from those tankers into these refineries and, and pushing this stuff, you know, into the city, hmm. then the local gas station is not going to get any fuel because the tankers can't, you know, the, the you know the, the trucks can't uh, f- fill up and deliver it to the local communities. So you know that's just like a, one example. 
um, that that's real, like right now. Wow. Um, we're looking at situations like, okay, this is happening, and people are trying to figure out, like, like why is it taking so long for, you know, FEMA or the National Guard to bring water into the community? You know, but there's so many logistical things that happen um, that it's just impossible for them to get into these communities, particularly if it's really devastating, you know, if there's, like, a lot of devastation, you know, we can't even compare Sandy to Katrina. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, you know, it, it's all it's all relative, if you will. It's, it's all a matter of like like how much damage has been done. You know how you know, you know what kind of community is it in? Did, did did the trees fall or did a building fall? You know, we can get the tree up quick, but now we got to move this building out the way so the trust can come down. So those are the kinds of things, um, you know, that we're looking at. If we have what they call, a, let's say, a mass casualty, let's look at it from a medical perspective, um, okay. what they call a mass casualty event where there are many, many injuries, you know, hundreds of injuries and deaths. You know, when we come in, if you ain't bleeding, you ain't getting helped. You know what I'm saying? You got, you know, it's like it's got the, the most severe is going to get worked on. So if mm-hmm. the... The teenager, you know, has, you know, a broken leg and he has an arterial bleed or something like that, right? We go on to him first before we go on to your 91-year-old grandmama because, mm-hmm. you know, she's scared, you know. And you saying, you know, come help her, you know, she's 91, come help her, come help her. But if ain't nothing wrong with her, for the, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, from, from that particular disaster perspective, you know, we're going to go deal with, this other person right here. You and know, it, 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 the it, average it, person it, look at that and be like, yeah, that ain't right, that ain't fair, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting because um, it speaks to the what you said in the very beginning in terms of doing for ourselves and coming up with our own plans because, like you said, it may take days for the National Guards to actually arrive and then they have to assess what the situation is. It may take you know, a couple of days before uh, FEMA or the federal response is on the ground in your community. But if we as a community had our own plan and our own infrastructure, there's some things that we could do prior to them getting there or setting up an infrastructure so that when they arrive, things move in a manner uh, that actually gets to help where it needs to go because you have people who are designated uh, liaisons like yourself who could say, okay, we need you to. Uh, we have an, a we we've set up an a, an, a, an emergency uh, uh, tent over here. We have a communication center over here. We have a food disbursement here. Well, I mean, things that can happen internally that if we only learned to be our brothers and sisters keeper, right? We could be very effective in terms of in terms of helping ourselves in these situations. I just want to say. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to weigh in on this discussion, please call us at 213-943-3618. Press the pound on the number, the pound, the pound sign number one key on your keypad. Let me say it again: 213-943-3618. Pound number one key on your keypad. If you have any questions or comments, I want to bring. Um, 
uh, Brother James, our producer, back into the into the discussion because he had a, some very good points that he had uh, represented to us over the break. Brother James, are you are you are you there? Yeah, I'm still here, and um, yes. I thank you very much, um, Brother Shango and Brother Barron. Just allow me for a minute just to chime in with, with um, emergency response in terms of schools. And I have to say the biggest thing about um, making uh, emergency response training important is about communication, and it starts with the first the high-level um, administrators in your school district, making it important to them and they making it important to the teachers and the faculty members, and the faculty members making it important to the children and also to the to the parents. And then you have to have some key personnel who's going to be the pipe pipers, the ones who are going to constantly stay on everybody about emergency uh, training. And I say that because one of my roles in the school district is to train what we call the CERT team, the S-E-R-T, School Emergency Response Teams. And what I do is I use a, a uniform system given by the government, and I make sure that the administrators take the courses online so they can understand the role of an incident commander in the ICS system. And when the administrators do that, and they say, oh, James, uh, this is just too much. Uh, i got a lot of things on my mind. I say, yes, you will have more things on your mind if you lose <laughs> children in an emergency. Yes. Okay, but also I say I um, you have to add a little bit of spice in the training to get the buy-in, and you have to use what we, Brother Barry, what I was saying about the righteous competition. I pit one administ- school administrator against the next. You know, so look, you know, the last time they did a drill over there, they got the students out of that school in three minutes and had a 98% ratio in terms of them having true accountability for not only the students but the faculty. And if we have guests or visitors in the school, we want to know where every swinging Harry is and they should be on that field. So I say, you know, it's about putting realism. It's, it's about um, stressing um, the importance of the training. And then the way you do that is through realism, you know, in terms of making the drill real. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I always tell um, folks that the only time I get to yell at a teacher is doing a drill. You know, like, come on, you got to get out this building now, you know. Exactly. So, you know, Brother um, James, let me just, Brother yes. James, you know, it's interesting yes, because you said something that was so important. I understand the mentality of a school principal. A school principal has so much, so many things that they are held accountable for in the school. And yeah. a lot of times, I'm, I'm saying this for, 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 for my school administrators who are listening, a lot of times you don't want another thing added on to your responsibility. But as, but, but as Brother James is saying, this is so critical because, you, as you know, as a, school build, as a school leader, you're accountable for everything that happens in that school. So if, in fact, there is an emergency or a disaster, when people now re- re- want to reevaluate and say what happened and who did what, you know that's coming right back to your door. So it behooves you to be prepared in the way that Brother James is talking about. Right. And I want to lead back to Brother Barry. Um, Brother Barry had said something very important about the mass casualty um, drills. You know, I offered the school to the uh, fire chief and to, uh, you know, safe uh, safety people within our school district um, to the emergency services to come in and do those mass casualty drills so it sets the tempo you know not that we are in the school and active you know actively in the school but i i want the school 
to be known to be actively involved. And um, sometimes we are we allowed to take a, a couple of administrators or a teacher to see what's going on. You know, we encourage uh, faculty members to become volunteer uh, fire firemen, so they they get a sense of of, of of responsibility in case of an emergency. And Excellent. then we we do the what we call the tabletop class. I think that you mentioned about um, you know sitting down and discussing this with a variety of people in the community. I'll bring in the police chief or a captain and a fire chief and the safety officers and and you know administrators. And so we sit down at the table and maybe like Brother Barry talk about the gas leak. What do, what do we do in the case of a gas leak? How do we move them from one building to the next? Um, I'll have the the transportation person in there so she can look at the logistics and say, whoa, you mean I got to put five buses on the spot and 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 so and so like so. Part of that drill is can you get your people to respond in time and get to the location and get there in a way that you don't um, come through a contaminated area or area that's uh, under duress and and pick up our folks and get them to a shelter. So you know we have these shelter um, shelter drills. So I say this, and the last thing I want to say, and then we turn over to Brother Barry, it is communication because when the uh, building administrator comes out of that building under and we we evacuate the building. He or she is known as the incident commander, and they know that the, um, when they get out that building and they got the, the children safely and the faculty safely away from the building, that when the emergency responder comes, when Brother Barry and his crew comes through, they have to pass the baton. They take over the responsibility of the building. It no longer belongs to the a school, um, a school um, building school administrator. The, that her responsibility or his responsibility is now this totally on that safety and the movement of those children, and so with that in mind, you know it's two sides of it. We're the inner side in the beginning of it, but yet then it's a whole bigger picture that comes down the pipe when you bring in the fire, the police, and everyone else. Exactly, and I, and I got to say this: communication, communi- communication, communication. We cannot, if you're a principal that stays inside your office, I call it the in-the-office principal, that all you do is basically paper push, you're in trouble. You you know, because, well, and, and the reason I say this is because everything that, 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 that both Brother Barry and Brother James Wolfield have mentioned, that's all well and good. But if the principal is not a type of principal that's out there in the community interacting with the different stakeholders, talking to homeowners, talking to police, talking to uh, uh, businesses, then what, what ends up happening is that the school becomes a bubble within the community. You're, you're, you're like there's a school and then there's a community. But what we need is the school and the community to be one. The school is the community and the community is the school. And that happens when you have effective leadership in the school that understands the importance of bringing the community together around any issue, whether it's safety, whether it's good quality instruction, whether it's youth development, but if you build that kind of culture within your school, then the things that 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 um has been outlined by both Brother Barry and Brother James are not as difficult as they may appear. I remember we used to run drills, and and I would have to um you know we run drills with the police, the exact things that Brother James is talking about, and I would have to. Before I would have to go building by building to make, I mean, floor by floor to make sure that everybody had evacuated the building. And I also had to um, 
know that I couldn't use my radio to talk to another assistant principal because if there was a bomb or something, that radio could be used as a, de- as a detonating advice. So these are the kind of things that we have to immerse ourselves in, but you also learn these things through developing positive relationships with the other stakeholders in the community working together on, on behalf of our children. Brother Barry, I, 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 want, I want to go back to something that, that um, we didn't talk about before, but uh, how can PTAs be helpful in educating schools um, and parents in developing a disaster preparedness plan? Let's say you don't have a principal who's out there and, and they're not reaching out to to, to the stakeholders as, as as they should, but the PTA is a powerful force within the school. How can the PTAs be motivated to push a school to develop the kind of plan that you guys are talking about? Um, I guess it goes back to communication and education. So if, in fact, you actually do have a PTA uh, within a, a particular school, uh, that means you have you have bodies, you have parents that are involved, you have teachers that are involved in, in, in making up that, that PTA. Uh, have someone like myself, Brother James, Brother Aton Evans, to come in and speak to them and and have these discussions, um, you know, and even even workshops if 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 need be. Uh, but it needs to be ongoing because this this is this is a big, long, wide learning curve. You know, it, mm. it, it take, it's taken me 25 years to get to where I'm at. You know, um, so that that would be it. You know, if in fact you do have a PTA, then that means you have a working body, whether it's five or fifteen people that are involved in that particular PTA, and um, you know we come in and we speak, uh, and we and we do these kinds of things uh, uh, as often as we can. Um, Brother Aton uh, and myself and others, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Ready Up. Um, we did we did a program called Ready Up at St. Francis Ready College up. last year. And uh, we, our, our biggest sponsor was Kiss FM. Um, they okay. are going to sponsor us again and be, a, you know, part of a, a partnership. And um, we're looking at probably doing it at a very large venue um, in the city. And then, uh, and this is going to be soon, real soon. And then we're going to be going around the tri-state area, uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, but we're going to first go to um, our hardest hit. Neighborhoods, Rockaway, Staten Island, um, uh, with these uh, workshops and, and, and passing out this information. But if you go to uh, Ready for Welcome to the Movement, baby. We're going to change education. Check out shungleblake.com. I'll say it again shungleblake.com. Teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True school is here. Now let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous. The that we have. To the people across this nation, eagerly anticipating a sound from the streets that's so unique, Hello? it'll transform yes. education. This is cool. I, I hear I hear the song in the background. Yes. Are we still live? Are we still live? It's still live. We're still live. We had a little technical okay. difficulty. That was Brother Barry was, was breaking up, and then we brought him back in. Okay, okay, no problem. So what I was going to say is, can you give us that website one more time? Yes, readyforanything.org. Readyforanything.org. So so uh, we're getting a lot of great information, not just information, but resources for following up. So if there are any PTAs out there 
that that you know uh, are looking to bring this kind of important information to your group, please contact Brother Barry uh, and and readyforanything.org. dot org. Is that did I say it right? Right. Yes, that's the website, and uh, me that's specifically, the it, uh-huh. I'm using intact at readyforanything.org uh, to reach uh-huh. me. Uh, just trying to take some of the emails away from Brother Aton because he's. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime you get five, you know, he gets like 400 emails a day. It's like, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, intact at readyforanything.org. Okay. And um, now, we'll, be, we'll be putting out the information about Ready Up. It's going to be bigger. We're making it bigger and better this year. Great. Yeah, and, and we do a lot of stuff, man. We, there's many things that we do, in, you know, relative to preparedness. Um, uh, you know, we did a thing called Escape from the Grid, and we walked uh, from Van Cortlandt Park in Upper Manhattan all the way to Brooklyn, and we, you know, went on routes that, you know, people don't even know about, mm. you know. Little trails through Inwood, you know, coming down, walked underneath the West Side Highway, you know, things like that, you know. And wow. every two every two miles, we would have a workshop. You know, we did that this past summer. Mm. Things like that, and, and so we we did. Uh, Aton started what they call evacuee walks many years ago, and we did it in reverse. We would walk from Brooklyn to. New Jersey, across the George Washington Bridge, just as, you know, it was a, it's a physical fitness kind of a thing, but it also lets you know that, you know, once you get what they call that gridlock with those vehicles, you know, mm-hmm. you got to foot it. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. And I guess that speaks, that, that speaks to uh, health as well, because you need to be in yeah. some, some kind of physical condition to be able to make that track. Right, right. So we, we it's, it's all encompassing. It's very comprehensive in what we're doing, uh, because of the fact that I am a farmer. You know, I don't. I, we haven't even mentioned, uh, you know, my position with the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association. I'm a New York and New Jersey representative for them. So I bring that that component to it in terms of. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I had just touched on, you know, the whole food thing when I talked about our ancestors. Um, but it, it's it's very comprehensive in what we're doing, and we we cover all the bases. There's nothing that we don't cover. It's not just about making sure that you got some batteries for a flashlight. You know, it's 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 thought changing information. It's mind mind changing information. You know, like that. Wow, this is so important. And I thank you so much. I wanna I wanna shift gears for a moment because we we spend a lot of time talking about parents, our communities, and what we should do. And, and we are gonna let it in this segment with that. But I do want to talk a little bit about government response. And uh, and help organizations. Now, both you and Brother James have mentioned your work with the Red Cross, and and I just want to get your perspective on this perception that exists that the Red Cross, Red Cross uh, does not adequately serve communities of color. Now, based upon what you're 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 saying, what Brother James is saying, you've had different experiences in terms of training. What about crisis response, and what do you think about some of those uh, criticisms? Um, I would say that first and foremost, folks need to understand once again is 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 what you know. Um, mm-hmm. The Red Cross, although we are chartered by Congress to do what we do 
mm-hmm. as opposed to Salvation Army and, and other uh, relief organizations, Red Cross is, is the one, so to speak, right? However, Red Cross is a volunteer organization. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that, um, you know, it's just that. And volunteerism is, is great, but if my house is underwater, I'm not going mm-hmm. to some incident command center, you know, like that. So, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's just it in a nutshell. Um, now, the other piece to that is um, if if you really have a problem with Red Cross, then make your own cross, you mm. know. And I'm not talking from a spiritual thing. If you want it to be the red, black, and green cross, make it happen, you know. Yeah, you got yeah. to do for self, man. You know, they come up with all kinds of ribbons. You know, you got a pink ribbon for, you know, breast cancer. You got a discolored ribbon, you know, for that, you know. So if you got a problem with Red Cross, you know, I understand. Then let's make another cross. And and and, and there's no excuse for not putting together our own kind of organizations to try to address some of the issues that affect our community in particular. Well, uh, we can do it. We can do it. it you know, as they say, overnight. I think it probably could be done overnight. I know. I know one thing. I know we can get the money overnight. I know we got enough money in our community to 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 have enough money to do whatever we want to do overnight. You know, because when you when you stop and you really think, and as they say, when we when we all look in the mirror, you know, here, here's another quickie for you. Let's I'm gonna pick on the black church right now, only because it's just like this one big organization uh, of, of 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 folk, right? So the black church, right, however many hundreds of probably millions of dollars that they collect every year, why is it that we don't have one, one black-owned hospital in this country? Wow. All right, and I'm just picking on the church, you know, so you know, we can put the churches together, we can put all of these other, you know, everybody that wants to be pro-whatever, pro-black, pro, you know, whatever it was going to be. You know, the nation of this or, you know, or, or whatever, whoever. Why don't we come with that true black united front and make something real happen? So all I'm saying is, brothers, we don't even have our own hospital. So how can we complain about, you know, the bad vaccines and the bad scientists that are coming up with stuff, you know, and the bad you know, genetically modified foods because we don't have our own scientists. Just all right. And and it was and I was just gonna ask you, do you think that uh, the socioeconomic issues impact disaster readiness for communities of color? But obviously if we uh funnel all that money that comes through our hands on a on an annual basis, we could put uh, together institutions that could address the these kind of needs. That's right. Because, you know, just like they got the basketball recruiters that, that follow your kid from high school, this, that, and the other, they got people from NASA. They got people from the NSA. They got people from the CIA. They got people from from all over that are watching your kids' grades. And when they toss that, that cap up at commencement day, they're tapping them on the shoulder saying, listen here, you know, check this out. We want you to come work for us. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So you can't be mad. We can't be mad when that kid done struggled and did their thing and made their parents proud, you know, and then they're going to go work for whomever else in their laboratories. Well, that's why we call it true school, brother, because this is, we're getting a real education today. Uh, we're going to go to another commercial break, but before we do, when we come back, we want to hear from you, the listeners. So be prepared to call in at 213-943-3618. Press pound one key on your keypad. If you have any questions for Brother Barry, myself, Brother James, please chime in. Let us know what, what you're thinking. Let us know uh, uh, how you plan to utilize the information that was presented today. We'll be back right after this break. Keys 107, in media partnership with Harlem's newest gym, The Mitch Theatre, proudly presents winner, Best Drama at UK's One World Media Awards, and double award winner at 2012 African Movie Academy Awards, Othello Burning, a beautiful coming-of-age drama, a gripping story of South African township kids as they discover surfing a newfound freedom. Directed by award-winning filmmaker Sarah Bletcher, Othello Burning will open shortly at the Miss Theater in Harlem, located at 46 West 116th Street. For more information, visit World Wide Web, MissHarlem.com. This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The women's shop features stylish tunics, suits and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Welcome back to True School Radio. This is uh, Shungo Blake. Brother Shungo, like I said, the rapping principal, a.k.a. Mr. B. We're having a very powerful conversation with Brother Barry Crumbly. And, I mean, the information here is just, it's life-saving. I mean, we can't, I can't say it enough. This is life-saving. Uh, to, to, I'm tired of, you know, constantly seeing whether it be natural disasters, whether it be school shootings, or what have you, emergencies in general, and then looking at specifically communities of color, we can use Far Rockaway as an example or Red Hook, um, and seeing us sitting there as sitting ducks, that if someone does not come 
to save us, then we are rendered uh, totally uh, victims, and we and we have no way of proactively uh, creating uh, a response that would save lives coming from our own community. And the things that Brother Barry is talking about in terms of these uh, off-the-grid walks, uh, we touch a little bit on the farming and the food and growing your own food, um, being being in, 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 in shape to be able to make these walks and then knowing what you need. Now, uh, Brother Barry, you have mentioned that it's more than just a flashlight and some batteries. I mean, what are some standard things, basic things that that people should have in their house in case of an emergency? Okay, once again, the answer is in the question. They need to, the way they assess, they assess themselves, if you know that you're diabetic, if you know you have high blood pressure, if you know you can't read a piece of paper, something on a piece of paper without your glasses, then that that's the stuff that goes in your go bag. Mm. You know, if you don't have cat vision, then you need a flashlight or bat vision. You know what I mean? Um mm. Just, just a real, you know, just sit down and, and say, you know, like, what do I need if the lights go out? Okay, I need, to nav- I need to be able to navigate my way through here. You know, what kind of neighborhood do I live in? You know, so you know, like, in terms of self-defense, you know, those kinds of tools that you may need as well. Um, you know, just it's, it's, it's real simple. Um, we can come up with, you know, a, a, a laundry list, as they say, of, of stuff. But, um, um, you know, what's the, what's the term, you know, uh, uh, an ounce of, of, of knowledge is worth many pounds of equipment carried by a fool. Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You know, so it becomes, and then even with that, in terms of your gear, um, you know, the more you know about survival using that particular gear and and whatever that survival environment may be, the more you know, the less you carry, the less you need to carry, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. You know, know, I've been hunting in the Adirondacks since 1982, you know, so what is raining and snowing and I don't have any matches? But I bet you we're gonna have a fire, you know, if nothing else for warmth, because that you know I know how to do that, you know, that, those kind of things. So it becomes it becomes a training thing. Um, so that that is the answer to the question. You know, I yeah. can tell you, you know, you know, carry this, carry that. They should have this in the bag. No, you need to have in the bag your quote unquote go bag, your seventy two hour pack, the things that you need. If you ain't used to fasting and you can't not eat. For three days, four days, then you better put some food in your bag. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay? So that's the that's the whole training piece too, you know. And then and then it's once again it's all relative, you know. Our people are so messed up because of the food situation. That's why we're so sick, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece, you know, that I'm hoping somebody's doing the research, but it's already been proven to some degree. That you know the whole psyche of, of 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 our you know criminal mind has to do with our food 
as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're not going to go that deep tonight. Well, 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 I just want to push you a little bit because I, I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying, but I want to I want to ask for clarity. You know, one of the things that I, I it, 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 you can see that it doesn't take much in the way of a little disaster here or a little situation here to see total the total breakdown of civilization um, and the movement towards uh, anarchy in terms of behavior, attitudes, you know, people breaking people's homes. There, there was incidents of, of people pulling out guns at gas stations and over gas. And it seems like that because there's a lack of, and I'm not saying this is not unique to, to, to communities of color. This is in general. Uh, there's a lack of 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 unity or civic minded attitude sometimes that after a while after the first couple of days you begin to see this this kind of behavior begin to set in what is that all about well yeah yeah it it, it is just that and i I just wanted to say that you know, we will never know um well put it this way the the, the general public will never know. How many women and sisters got raped in that dome during Katrina? How many homicides were carried out uh, because of the you know the gangs being in such close proximity under those conditions? Um, mm. uh, you know those are the things that happen. Um, and even even in even in your home, even if you had and see once again it, it becomes this whole training piece. You know, um, you know uh, how you how how well can you ha- uh, hold on and and hang out in in a situation under the best circumstances. You know, just let's. I'm gonna give you my personal experience, and 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 it's and then just magnify it with someone that does not have control. Just with Sandy passing by, the lights never went out in my home. And even if they okay. did, they still wouldn't go out because of the generators that we have here, the fuel that we have here. You know, it, it just it don't happen here. Not not here at, at my home. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's because I'm me, and my wife does what she does, and you know, my my, my children understand you know what to do like that. All right. On day three, um. My wife made a comment to me. She's like, uh, we need to go outside. Um, I'm getting cabin fever. <laughs> you know? And it was cute. It was cute to me, you know, but that's a woman that, that understands who she's married to and, 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 and how we're going to be able to deal with situations. But suppose it's the, the situation is magnified. Suppose it is a Katrina situation. And you got family members, um, or, or let's get, let's give it another hypothetical. Let's say we have a situation with Indian Point, where we have like a whole nuclear thing, or one of these trailers, tractor trailers, turn over on the 87 or uh, I 95 with with some stuff in it. You know where, you know, when, if you breathe it, your brain is going to turn to oatmeal. You know those kind of things happen, and that's the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that's traveling on our highways every day, every day, right? And you gotta you gotta shelter in place. It ain't no bugging out. It ain't no leaving. You know you got to shelter in place. You know like that. And you find yourself in a situation 
um, where, you know, there's nuclear fallout and you can't go outside, you know, for, for a week or two. And, and you got and you living with people that, that, you know, want to rebel against you. You know, how do you deal with that kind of stuff, you know? So wow. that's just another little point of information, brother. Brother, yeah, yeah, and it's, all, it's all training. Yeah, it is yeah. training. But I, I want to say that if you get the, the point to shelter in place, I mean, if we was to save um, each month um, five or ten pounds of beans and made sure we bought some water in here by the gallon uh, each month, you know, um, put some candles and some sternos each month, you know, put a, a little something away, some batteries, uh, until we stock up and we have, you know, six months of food and, you know, stuff to keep us warm and, you know, um, in your home, you know, just be prepared to that, you know, listen, run that water in that tub and keep some water, you know, so that we can bathe and, and, and clean, you know, uh, you know, stay clean, you know. The bottom line is you, you could ease the stress that people will have because after three days you do get a little, you know, a little uh, stir crazy. But if you've got the amenities in your home and people are eating, they're staying warm, they got light, you know what, they could stay locked down like that for a while because they still have some a level of comfort, some level of um, uh, a lifestyle that they have retained. And going back to the generators, most homeowners should be told that, you know, based upon the square footage and the amount of um, electricity that you use, you know, you need to uh, assess whether you need 6,500 watts of power in the generator and how you should mount that generator in the back of your home or um, funnel it through your garage or something like that. And you should always yeah. have, you know, two cans of gasoline or whatever, and this is how you store it, and this is what you put in it to preserve it and some additives to stretch it. Those are the conversations that we have to have when we start to train in the community and make it real for homeowners and even for those who live in, in high-rise apartments and go through that type of stuff. So this stuff, Brother Barry and, and Brother Shango, man, we got a job on our hands to help um, uplift our people and to save them from the disaster because it's coming. Sometimes it's man-made and sometimes it's, it's natural. So yes, yeah. you know, we got to continue to have these conversations. Listen, I just I just want to say that I really appreciate what both of you both have had to offer. I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes, listening, and, you know, you can't listen to this and not think about, you know, you can't listen to this and not do a self-analysis and say, hey, well, what, let me, what, what do I have? You know, what, what, how, how, how clear do my children understand uh, uh, an emergency plan and if, an emergency happens, and I'm in Queens, and my child's in Brooklyn, and my wife's in the Bronx. I mean, how do we, you know, do we know what to do? I mean, these are real things, and I know sometimes people say, oh, you know, you guys are worrying too much. You know, you have that mindset out there. But as you can see from Hurricane Sandy, if this week was not a lesson, I mean, from a hurricane to a nor'easter, to, to, from a hurricane to near blizzard conditions, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there are people in Far Rockaway that are freezing. There are eight housing developments out there as of, I don't know what the situation is right now, but as of 4 o'clock this afternoon, they had just gotten two generators out there. So that means there's more, uh, 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 as Brother James was saying, in terms of being stir-crazy and dealing with the heat and the lack of electricity, they're dealing with that out there. But if we as a community could come together and really put together a plan of action 
then we could be we we could we could ease some of this. And what you said about stirring the storing the foods and the and the water is so key. We could that that doesn't require much. We could do that right now. That's right. That's right. Right now we could do that. You know, take a little bit of that money that you go that you want to spend on the iPhone five and peel some of that money to keep you behind alive. <laughs> you know I'm the rapid principle, so I had to come up with some kind of rhyme. But, the, but the, it's um, real. Yes. It's real. And you know, just to put it in perspective also, um, you know, it, relative to training and, and all of what we're talking about, you know, let's take for instance, um, you know, CPR training, uh, first aid, emergency first aid training. You know, if we, the parents, let's do let's do the parent thing, the PTA and w- what parents can do in terms of, you know, it, an emergency situation. Um, you know, use some money and, and have some, some CPR and first aid training done because mm-hmm. here's a perfect example. If I know how to fix a broken leg, it don't matter how I got my leg broke. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And and that goes that and just take that and apply it to an emergency and a disaster situation. If I know what to do under certain circumstances, it don't matter when or where they happen. Hmm. So if I if I'm if I'm first aid trained and I break my leg or somebody breaks their leg because they fell off a retaining wall. It don't matter if they got hit by a car because I'm still on the set and I'm going to fix that leg for you at least temporarily until we can get you to you know some better help. So the the, the training piece comes in, which is is that's the significant part of, of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Brother Barry and Brother Shango, we do have a um, uh, uh, a very interesting caller in who is now live on the air. Caller. Hello. Yes, hello. hello. How are you? Yeah, hey, hey. Uh, this is uh, Brother Aton. How you doing? Oh, wow. Brother Aton. Thank you for gracing us with your presence, <clears throat> brother. Hey, listen, I'm just listening to Brother Barry, and I just want to say that Brother Barry is doing a fantastic job. He's covering all the bases um, and everything. And, um, you know, just like he said, you know, that, uh, you know, he's just getting everything, you know, flushed out recognizing uh, all of the different situations and circumstances that you're going to confront when these disasters come. But, you know, I wanted to call with something specific for Brother Barry. But, but you know what, Brother? Something that you just said a few minutes ago, it brought to light something that I've never, ever thought about until just now. I mean, in fact, um, I was talking to my sister, Kendall, in Canada. We were just listening. And you know what? We're going to have to develop uh, some sort of a program that's an outreach program, a community outreach program that, like, you know, doesn't rely on the print media because we had just come up with the thought, which is kind of horrifying, but it's real, and that there's a significant amount of folk within the community that are illiterate that really can't read. And a lot of the written instructions that could be complex, you know, Especially like if it was a biological emergency, if people started handing out written instructions for folks that really, really don't have uh, the ability to kind of read through and decipher, like what may be complex uh, instructions, right? And um, to a large degree, 
not only do we need to get all of these other dynamics taken care of, but, you know, I'm telling you, brother, I never thought about the fact that we got to have some sort of a program that can reach out to folks that have, you know, that may be, uh, you know, you know, like challenged in that in that particular way, where they might not have that reading ability, and um, and that that ability to decipher a lot of stuff. But when I look at the books from Ready.gov, and they're pretty simple and straightforward. But when I look at the instructional stuff, like if I look at the you know some of the stuff that comes out of New York State, the State Office of Emergency Management, and a lot of uh, different guides and maps and all this kinds of stuff that people get. What about the people that don't know how to read that stuff? What Absolutely. About what about, Brother Akon, something you're saying that's so important is um, you, there are people who, who are literate who don't understand all of the jargon and the language of, of, of those things. So to be able to break that down in layman's terms for the people who are literate and then come up with a program for people who can't read is critical in, in terms of dealing with crisis. Yeah, so I mean... I just wanted to, to throw that at Barry, and uh, maybe Barry has some thoughts because it's just something that came up, and I'm telling you, it, it wouldn't have come up because I was listening to Barry, and I was listening to a couple of things that he was saying, and, and it just popped into my head when he had mentioned something about medicine and, you know, you got to have this, and it just, it just popped into my head, well, wait a minute, what about that? I mean, a lot of these things oftentimes – you know, you read instructions in a newspaper. But you know what, like he has mentioned something about glasses, if you have, if you need glasses. But what if you can't read the instructions in the newspaper? What if you mm. can't figure it out? What do we do then? So we've got a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that at Brother Barry. And, uh, you know, I just want to say great job. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue listening to the show as we close out. And I hope that people connect with Brother Barry. And, um, you know, we got we got a lot of work to do in a short time to do it. Thank you, Akon, thank you for your call. We really appreciate you chiming in. Brother Barry, how do you want to respond to what Brother Aton was speaking about? I just told him thank you. I, I appreciate him <laughs> acknowledging the work, you know, and if you all knew what his workload was, you, you know, you'd be surprised that he even called in. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We know that Brother does a lot, a lot of work and has been on the front lines of this issue for years, and we definitely appreciate him calling in and giving us his insight. Um, we're getting ready to come to our uh, uh, to the to the end of our program. Now we're going to talk about uh, bullying, cyberbullying, uh, for the second half. But this this program was so important, and there was so much information to present. We're going to have to table the bullying, cyberbullying piece, which is a very important piece, next week for next week's show. But I I I really want to thank you, brother Barry, for. Uh, sharing all that information with our listening audience. And um, I would like you one more time to give out your information so that people can contact you, reach out to you, and maybe we can help some people come up with some emergency preparedness plans. Yes. Uh, The website, excuse me, the email addresses are intact at readyforanything.org. That's I N. T-A-C-T at ready, R-E-A-D-Y, for, F-O-R, anything, A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G dot O-R-G. We want to thank you again, brother, and for this week's Act of Kindness, we're still working on the volunteer efforts in terms of Far Rockaway. I had an opportunity to go out to Queens and, 
interact with Brother Jacques and bring some items out to the brothers and sisters out there. They're doing a wonderful job in supporting them. If you would like to get involved, all you have to do is contact me at www.shungoblake.com. I want to thank Brother Barry, Brother James, and, and I also thank Brother Anton for, for calling in and giving us his his insight. We'd like to thank you, the listening audience, and, of course, our producers and engineers, Brother Forrest, Brother James, Brother Jason, and our sister, Sister Rafika. Uh, so, again, this has been True School Radio. Tune in next week where we will talk more on our safety series. Have a beautiful evening, brothers and sisters. Peace. The key unlocking the doors to unlimited possibilities. The Keys 107 Network, opening doors to endless possibilities. The Keys 107 lineup, all times reside in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. Every third Sunday, 5 o'clock p.m., mortgage modification with your host, Kenneth Whaley. Every Sunday, 8 o'clock p.m., unlawful captives, a look behind the walls of the prison industrial complex with your co-hosts, Richard Muhammad and Abdul Salam Muhammad. Mondays, 10 o'clock a.m., build your business with Greg Jones. Learn the secrets of business building. Monday, 3 o'clock p.m., the Peacekeepers Roll Call with your host, Captain Dennis Muhammad and Surprise, celebrity guest, featuring peacekeepers from around the globe. Question, when did Noah build the ark? Answer, before the flood. Disaster awareness for community preparedness with your host, Rudolph Muhammad, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Respect for life with your host, Brother Leroy, every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Creatively Speaking, with your Divas of Culture for the Black Diaspora, Sisters Michelle Matir and Aisha Karifa Smart. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m., the cornerstone of the Keys Network, Keys 107, with your hosts, Sister Rafika Muhammad and Brother James Muhammad. But wait, there's more. Every Thursday at 8 p.m., Black Reconstruction with your co-host, Sister LaShawn Allen Muhammad and Brother Malik Green. Real solutions to the problems that plague the underprivileged, underserved, and forgotten. Thursday evenings at 9.30 p.m., serving educators, parents, and students. True School with your host, Shango Blake. Fridays at 2 p.m., there will be a Keys Network Special Marathon. To always be announced every Saturday at 4 p.m. State of Affairs with your host Stan Smith. Politics, economics, and cultural affairs of the Caribbean. 7 o'clock p.m. Saturday. The Communicators with your host Black Leroy. Everything black from a black perspective. If the Keys Network isn't on your blog talk radio, then your blog talk radio isn't really on. The Keys 107 Network.